Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Match Ball. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan Moylan, joined by Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White's here as well. Daniel Chapman. Hello. 30 years on, we chart the journey from Leeds United's return to the top flight to lifting the championship trophy in 1992, taking the journey game by game, doing a match ball on the 30th anniversary of each game. Saturday, the 25th of August, 1990, Goodison Park as Leeds United take on Everton. And a few nerves attached to the return to the top flight. A tough game to start with. And four and a half thousand Leeds fans, which I think um, signals that Leeds United are back in the first division. If anything was going to signal our return, it was a um, a strong start in an away game with thousands of fans there. And oh, look, the FA, no problems. You don't actually have to close us down. We managed to go to Liverpool and back without ruining anybody's lives. So Graham Kelly can back off for another week. I remember going to this game as a wide-eyed 12-year-old and entering into Goodison Park. And I remember we were on the front row. We came up through the uh, the gangway and the entrance into the uh, into the stand. Yeah. Front row of the upper tier, just seeing. And as they always do, how good pitches look for that first game in August when it's bright and sunshiny and the green is so vivid. And thinking, wow, this is a top-flight ground. Because you forget we'd spent eight years in the second division. So I'd grown up knowing only these sort of crumbling concrete edifices of the second tier, whereas Goodison Park looked absolutely amazing and kind of took my breath away a little bit. I think Goodison Park still looks amazing as well. I know it's not changed a great deal, a bit like Ellen Road. It's had kind of uh, tweaks since these days. But one thing that strikes me in this is that I, I like it because I recognise it. <laughs> David Batty liked it as well. He was one who... Uh... He said later that this um, he stood at the side of the pitch looking at the camber, the way it kind of rose and fell over to the other, the other touchline. And that compared to what he'd been playing on Division 2, this was like a bowling green. That was one of the big questions about how Leeds would be, would be playing. Well, what would we do with pitches that actually had grass on them? And the, the first answer is, like, put McAllister in midfield and not pick Vinnie Jones. In goal, John Lukic, your two fullbacks, Mel Sterland and Glyn Snodden. Centre-halves of the Chrises, Fairclough and White. And then in central midfield, you've got David Batty joined by Gary McAllister and that famous midfield four with Strachan on the right and Speed on the left. But an unconventional front line in that, well, Lee Chapman you'd expect, but maybe not so much, Imre Varadi up front with him. And you sometimes forget that Leeds didn't get Rod Wallace for some time just yet and we had to try and figure our way out um, without him. And it, it didn't help that Bobby Davison was injured. He was likely to be the... The first choice, Carl Schutt had gone on loan to Malmo. Varadi had, had signed quite late the previous season. After we'd signed Lee Chapman, I would, um, it was because Ian Baird spat his dummy out when Chapman arrived and, we'd, and went to Middlesbrough. So Wilkinson went, right, I'll go and get another player from Sheffield Wednesday and brought um, 
Varadian, but he was a 31-year-old ex-Everton player as well. This was the first time we'd seen the classic midfield of Strachan, Batty, McAllister, Speed. Um, and all the new signings did play Lukic straight in for Mervyn Day, Chris White. Um, it turned out to be Peter Haddock. He was replacing in the centre of defence and then uh, McAllister in midfield. And interesting, it's um, Haddock and Chris Kamara on the bench. He was another signing from late the previous season. And I said then, no Vinnie Jones anywhere to be seen. But he was on the team bus, wasn't he? With a shotgun, yes. <laughs> I did, because you shared some clips around from uh, from this time, and you do think of the stick that Raheem Sterling got for having a, daring to have a tattoo of a gun, uh, whereas Vinnie Jones actually took a shotgun on a bus and no one seemed bothered by it. They were all having a bit of a laugh about the fact. The wonderful clip from the, the eve of the season, it's an ITV interview, they go live to the bus and they interview Howard Wilkinson and he's he's riding on the team coach to Liverpool holding a shotgun, sitting in the front seat as if he's out hunting, as if he's duck hunting. And yeah, the, the furore, that sort of thing would, would cause. Now, the, the story goes that, um, I mean, Vinnie Jones was always off hunting um, and he, t- he took his shotgun a- along and he'd, he'd got the team news that he wouldn't be playing in this first game. And so to kind of make a joke of it, he held the shotgun to Howard Wilkinson's head and said, do you want to reconsider the team, boss? <laughs> it's dead funny when someone holds a gun to your head. <laughs> I bet I'd be laughing <laughs> and Wilkinson to his credit didn't <laughs> no he stood his ground didn't he he said no I've, I've spent a million pounds on Gary McAllister and uh, and he's going to play and the other significant change is that um, David Batty took Finney's shirt number Finney Jones always wore four Batty wore eight but it was Batty out there in, in Vinny's shirt and um, th- th- there was no room for him on the bench was the interesting thing I mean Kamara was uh, probably more versatile because he could only name two substitutes. Um, that would be a lot to do with it. But yeah, a, a big deal to leave out one of the most famous players in all of English football, really. You suspect maybe in modern day times he would have uh, got himself on the bench without a problem. But yeah, only two subs back then. The Everton lineup: Neville Southall in goal, who we'll come on to very, very shortly. Andy Hinchcliffe, Dave Watson, Martin Keown, Neil McDonald, John Eberl, Stuart McCall, Mike Milligan, Pat Nevin, Mike Newell, Graham Sharp. A young Martin Keown there, but I mean, it's very fuzzy footage, but I think that's probably for the best. Some new rules to contend with in this season as well. The tinker with them every season, as we see at the minute. Professional fouls had been introduced. Compulsory shin pads, which is remarkable to think that they weren't compulsory prior to this. And more lenient... Gone soft. Game's gone soft. (laughs) And more lenient offside rules as well. Which is going to be a a challenge for Leeds. Our style of play in Division 2 was entirely based on a high line, which is fashionable again, but because we'd play a, a flat back four in an offside trap, it was all about um, Mervyn Day, as was punting the ball as far forward as possible. And then we would play basically from the halfway line forward and anybody who dared to try and get past Peter Haddock and Chris Fairclough would just be caught offside. But the, the, the plan from now on was that uh, because teams like Leeds United were accused of killing football, through doing this, there would be much more leeway given that they would favour the attacker um, and it would be easier to be kept on side than previously. So a change Leeds would have to deal with. And this was, in many ways, a forerunner of the modern day Leeds putting you through the ringer type game. You know, nerves in the away end were to do with Everton's quality and the, the step up in quality in general. But thankfully, we made a really fast start in this game and we were 1-0 up inside six minutes. Batty with a long throw that I have never seen before. 
I must admit. I'd never think of him as a as a long throw man, but it's good that we're getting now we've got McAllister and we can start to play some real glossy football. And I think this goal really summed it up. I mean, we talk about Everton having uh, Martin Keown at the back with um, Dave Watson, who's an excellent centre-back through the the 80s, but it's an absolute mess. Neville Southall as well, one of the world's best goalkeepers. And yet somehow, six minutes into the season, there's a David Batty long throw bouncing in their penalty area. Absolute idiots. Yeah, it's not the tidiest of goals, is it? It kind of bounces, Chapman causes chaos. For some reason, everyone has decided to mark Lee Chapman, it seems, and just left Chris White, who also misses it. Free, and then also behind him, Chris Fairclough, who then just nods it in. And what a swashbuckling start to the top flight. And swashbuckling was the words you would not necessarily use to describe David Batty 10 years in the future from this point. But here he was charging into the Everton box and uh, and he has a chance. Imagine that. Although he does manage to sort of, yeah, the best way I can say he shoots, he sort of slide tackles it, even though he's shooting. He's like, he can't quite get out of that defensive midfield mindset. I mean, it was probably as new to him as it was to any of us, this was not something Leeds did in Division 2. We did not have uh, runners from central midfield tearing into the box to try and score. So 1-0 up, David Batty having shots. It's an entire crazy new world already. But then that, oh, here we go, feeling that's so familiar to Leeds fans, um, reared its ugly head 30 years ago as Chris Fairclough, scorer of the goal, is then penalised for handball as the ball drops past him and there's a penalty in front of the Leeds fans. I mean, Neil McDonald is taking it. And I, I did check, he is the same Neil McDonald who was a coach in later years under McAllister at Leeds. So maybe, I don't know, sensing that future loyalty. But he, Clive Tills is a bit harsh, actually. He sort of is basically laughing at how far wide he puts it. I think from behind the goal, it doesn't look all that wide. But it does, um, I think by the time it hits the advertising boards, yeah, it looks like he's put it about 10 yards wide. The penalty itself was a bit daft. It's kind of the... Uh... The ball's actually Fairclough sort of missed the header and it says it drops past him to the floor that it hits his hand. I suppose it had to be given, but still. But it's all going very nicely at this point. 1-0 up after six minutes on our first game back and then Everton miss a penalty and we give that that brilliant opportunity because it was in front of the Leeds fans for 4,500 people to go, ah, which is one of the things you want from being back in Division 1. It's what football's all about, isn't it? Taunting people. And then not too long after that, it's 2-0. And Imre Varadi uh, is racing through, being held back disgracefully by Martin Keown. I mean, I almost feel bad for Gary Speed having to be near to this because Martin Keown and Neville Southall crashing into each other is surely one of the ugliest collisions you could hope for in football. But the ball then drops to Gary Speed, who I'm pretty sure scores it. Clive Tilsley is he's desperate that it's an own goal. I think he wants. To, I think he just hates Neil McDonald. He's already had a, been laughing at him for missing a penalty, and now he's like, "Oh, and that's an own goal." Definitely Neil McDonald. What an idiot! It's another. It's kind of similar to the batty chance of having a, a midfielder tearing into the box on the back of a. I mean, it shouldn't be underrated that Ferrari is onto a through ball, which um, it's all these these new hints of a new style of play that are bearing fruit and leaving Southall and Keon and McDonald all sort of just end up on the floor in pieces. The Physio has to come on and, and doesn't know who to start treating first. Assumes Keown's taken a blow to the face, but then actually, no, no, sorry, it's how he always looks. Leeds in fine form then as we approach half time, but we're not quite done yet. The chance to have another shot on goal comes in the form of Strachan. I mean, you say good. He does send it so high into the stands that he has to stop and laugh at himself and wave at the people at the back of the whichever end of Goodison Park it is who've, who've caught it. But going into half time, 2 0 up against. Everton, who 
in the years we'd been away, how many times did they won the league? Loads of times and European trophies as well. It couldn't have been going much better, really. I think they finished fifth or sixth the season before, so it was a good, a very good market to put down. Second half to come then, but as it turned out, it was what happened at halftime that stole the headlines today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Halftime at Goodison Park, Leeds winning 2-0, people off getting their pies and their drinks. And then who trots out onto the field? I mean, he was probably after a pie and a drink. Um, big Neville Southall. It was presented at the time as being uh, all about his contract because Neville Southall at this point wanted to move to Scum. And he put in him and Kevin Sheedy, who was one of their other star players, both put in transfer requests over the summer. And yeah, he, he came out of the onto the pitch at half time and sat against his post and just sat there staring at the pitch and in front of the Leeds fans as well, which was maybe a, a bit of a mistake, but it's, it's, um, it was presented at the time as a, as a protest, which Southall uh, said um, in the weeks afterwards that um, it wasn't that he, he just, he felt like the start of the season had been bad. He wasn't having a good game and he wanted to clear his head. And he said he'd done it once before away to Wimbledon. He said the dressing rooms at Plough Lane then were awful. So he said, I'm just going to go and sit out on the pitch and you sort it out. But um, yeah, he ended up getting fined and um, yeah, fined about £4,000 for this. And the, the next game, the Everton fans took along a, a big banner that said, Judas Southall, once a bin man, always a bin man. It, for sort of younger Leeds fans as well, who might remember the Neville Southall who played for us, he did play, definitely play against us for Bradford, didn't he? Oh, yeah. When he was, he was kind of in his... 40 by then he must have been pushing it I'd say and he was a, a good four stone overweight probably by then but like at this point in the end through the 80s he was arguably the best goalkeeper in the world yeah and so the uh this is kind of like if Manuel Neuer went out onto the pitch at, at Munich and kind of sat against the goalpost at half time you can imagine the the concentration of the cameras on him and what a scandal this would cause and it was a scandal at the time the Liverpool echo one of their columnists, I can't remember her name, but it, it kind of made the the lifestyle column. She described him as a big girl's blouse and said that he should go out and play in a blouse if this is the way he was going to behave, which is about as big as a football scandal 
God at the time, but not signs of uh, of happiness at Goodison Park. And it did it all played into just the idea that Leeds were having an absolutely fantastic day. Their goalkeeper, who is their best player, having a meltdown. I remember Southall doing that because it was right in front of us. We had seats, front row, upper tier, right in the middle by the goal. Yeah, he just, he potted out and, and just sat down in front of us and it was like, what's he doing? Not quite sure what's happening, but it seems to be entertaining. This isn't conventional. But again, it just added to the mystique and, and sense of this all being different to Division 2. As did the third goal. Well, this is dreamland stuff at this point. You can't believe you look, can you? And this one obviously happened in front of the Leeds fans and that away end went absolutely potty. Again, it's not the tidiest of goals, is it? But one thing to say with this, actually, from watching, because I obviously wasn't there because I was six, I think, when this was going on. But trying to watch the footage of it, it's an incredibly close-cropped shot, isn't it? Like, when this goal goes in, you can literally just see the goal pretty much fills the width of the screen on it. So you, it's very hard to tell what's going on around it or indeed where Imre Varadi comes from. But there's a, a chipped cross from the right-hand side. Chapman heads it down. Southall comes out and blocks speed shot. But then Varadi comes out of right of the shot somewhere and hammers it in, which Clive Tilsley uh, absolutely hates. But I, And presumably he's had a better view than us because our view has been of... Um, Basically, Neville Southall filling the picture. You've got to remember that Clive Tilsley's view of everything is seen through scum spectacles. So when he was uh, demanding this goal be disallowed for offside because Ferrandi is, Ferrandi is standing on the goal line, I don't believe a word of it. Ferrandi knows, knows how to stay onside. He's an experienced pro. He's 31 years old. There's no way he would be caught out like that. Dan, you were there. You were 12. I'm sure you remember this well. He was onside, wasn't he? Clearly. I mean, from where I was sat, clearly. Very close to me as well. Very close. What was the away end like then? Because this was this was the one that was in front of the Leeds fans and three up in the, the first game back in the first division. Must have been ridiculous, I would imagine. Well, it's always been good in the in the Leeds away end. Uh, you forget that it's not the same stand that is there behind the goal at Everton now, which is a single tiered structure. It was the two tiered thing, which was a bit strange. It had the lower half of it, which basically had a flat wall at the back, but then that rose straight up to the upper tier. So there was no overhang whatsoever. So you were looking straight down the wall at the uh, at the Leeds fans just behind the goal. All I can remember from it really is that we we had a jolly good time because the good times had never really stopped, had they? We kind of we got promoted, and you know, despite what you saw at Bournemouth, it still was very joyous, and it just felt like it all just rolled forward into Goodison. We didn't know quite what to expect, but it was just ace. What a day for a kid to think, oh well, if this is the top division, then I love it. No wonder Graham Kelly didn't like us. A man who, who's never had a jolly old time in his life. And then, of course, the thing to get used to after that was that um, we conceded two and nearly threw the game away. And yes, of course, doing a Leeds, leading it in, making it all a bit more difficult than it needs to be. But a stark reminder that Division 1 is not the same as Division 2 because we started to wobble and their quality really started to shine through. Everton, it becomes clear, have very good players. If we were 3-0 up in, the, uh, in Division 2 days, it was generally game over but suddenly you've got Kevin Sheedy crossing to Pat Nevin who who puts down his Smith's LPs long enough just to uh, to shoot past um, Lukic at the near post and that's 3-1 and then there's uh, there's a shot by Graham Sharp who's been he'd had a, a few bad seasons but he was a great goal scorer and um, his shot hit the bar and then the, the one that got them back to 3-2 felt unfair to me because John Lukic had a, he had a poorly eye and the, they wouldn't let the physio come on to look after him in fairness I don't think he'd have got to it anyway it's a cross from the right isn't it and Ebrel kind of puts it back in the same direction and it's it's right in the corner I would say John Lukic actually in this game because I 
spoken on the podcast before about essentially not liking John Lukic very much. You can kind of see why we spent money on him in this game. He makes some really good saves. I think a lot of that is down to his outward demeanour has just been a wee bit awkward and almost inscrutable. You just can't quite ever figure out what's going on in John Lukic's mind. I know in this somehow he looks he looks bigger than I remember him and more confident, like he and just more agile. I, I think I I came to the the post pass back Lukic as well, which didn't help. But I don't know. Just as a goalkeeper, I think he looks much better than he was in the mid nineties. We we re-signed him by his peak. Essentially, he's twenty nine, which is the the perfect age for a a goalkeeper, and absolutely worth a million quid straight away in this game. I'm not sure if thirty five year old Mervyn Day would have kept it to three two the way that Lukic does in this. And um, which is, I mean, the, the one worrying aspect is that we did concede these two goals that, you know, we had Chris White in central defence as a, as a new player, but we ended up bringing on Kamara and Haddock for variety and speed, making it as defensive as possible. And Mike Newell, he, he still has the space to chest down across and, and shoot at Lukic. He makes a really, really good save to make sure we, we win the match. So you could kind of, there were, there were two aspects of, um, of us being division one that were different. One, we suddenly seem to have a midfield with McAllister in it. And two, we've got a, a goalkeeper who, if the games are going to be difficult at this level, at this standard, will give us a very good chance of, of staying in them. And full-time whistle comes around and prompts big celebrations in front of a crowd of 34,500 people, which again, you forget that we're dealing with much bigger attendances in football these days, but as Ellen Road's capacity had been capped kind of below that, to get attendances above that always felt psychologically quite important and, and had a sense of scale to them. But they were they were really pleased with this and the away end similarly reflecting that. It felt like putting down such an early marker was a massive statement. So big positives, we were able to score. We had goals in this team, but negatives defensively? Yeah, letting Everton back in. I think the worry about a new style of play, it's good that we're, we're going through midfield and and going 3-0 up in a match is great, but if we're going to be that open at the back, um, Lukic is going to have to keep paying back his transfer fee game after game. And the next match, probably a slightly bigger test than Everton. Yeah, and you can join us for that in three days' time, August the 28th, as we take on Manchester United at Ellen Road. The Match Ball. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 